0: to English in 10 minutes real unscripted English conversations about people places and their stories after you listen to the episode visit englishin10minutes.com today I'm talking to my friend Katrina about the job that she used to do which was to be a potter which is someone who makes pottery uh, so Katrina how did you get into this work Actually,
1: it's quite a long story.
0: Well, we have 10 minutes, so
1: do the best you can. <laughs> OK. Uh, well, first of all, my grandmother was a potter. Um, but she, she was a more of a, a sculptor, actually. Um, she didn't make pots as such, although she worked with some extremely famous potters and actually had a, an affair with one of them. Um,
0: uh, who knew the world of pottery
1: was, uh, was yeah, so scandalous? I, <laughs> It wasn't scandalous, but you know in those days it was uh, it was maybe something a little bit different anyways um, yeah, so my my grandmother uh, worked with clay she had a little itty bitty kiln in her in her kitchen and uh, so that was my first introduction to uh, to that kind of work and then um, actually, I studied um, development studies and Uh, In that context, I had to write a dissertation, and I was looking at social change, and um, what I did was to uh, make parallels between uh, social change or get ideas about social change in a country through art. And so I uh, visited uh, Senegal um, to do some research, and I met up with a lot of people, and that really changed my, um, my perspective on life and um, development as a profession. Um, the actual fact of studying development made me uh, uh, change my, uh, my views on that as a profession um, alone. And, uh, and so when I finished university, it seemed actually quite natural that I should go into um, a manual line of work which had um, a creative
0: um, aspect to it.
1: It's quite interesting
0: because I think in, in the Western world, I think this kind of work is not really encouraged when you're at the student level, um, or certainly that was my experience that if you said, oh, this is what I want to do, people would say, no, you've got to go and, and get an office job and do this kind of stuff. And did you find when you went to Senegal, for example, that being creative was more valued than maybe that we value it? Not at all. I think that uh,
1: well, given that um, that I was uh, I was I stayed mainly in the capital. Um, the view of artistic work was actually like um, an an extreme view of a Western uh, perspective on uh, artists' work when you when you consider it as a possible um, professional path Mm -hmm. uh, for someone that you are close to or you get worried about them. Actually, in Senegal, I mean, basically, if you're uh, an artist, you're a tramp. Not far from it. I mean, there are some... um, Of course, there are some... uh, There are some traditional uh, positions in society uh, where you're very closely involved with... um, Making things, um, and, but I think that the, most, the closest that you get traditionally to an artistic um, uh, product or production is uh, via singing and music. Um, but that has a function within society which is traditional, which is very controlled and very coded and, uh, and all of that. And, and the rest of the work is actually craftsmanship, so it's actually quite demeaning rather than um, something that uh, could be associated to anything more
0: positive, basically. And does that make you sad to think that this is not valued the way that it could or should be?
1: I don't know if "sad" is the word, uh, but I do think that it's um, a bit unfortunate. Well, I would, I would tend to think that it's a shame that people have forgotten that everything that we use in this world and everything that we have is only the result of human work and. Uh, and we've forgotten that because we use machines, but those machines are also activated by a person, and even if they haven't actually you know, modeled the plastic or the metal in order to make this machine, there is some relation between work and, uh, and
0: any kind of object that we use and that we have. And if you look back, thinking about pottery specifically, if you look back to ancient civilizations, and I'm thinking about Rome and Greece that I know reasonably well, we know a huge amount of what we know because of pottery
1: mm, yeah, and we do. because of
0: remains of pottery and so obviously the people who were making it didn't know the impact that that would have for us thousands mm. of years later when we study their civilization but it's super important and it seems to have lost that a little bit
1: perhaps clearly yeah i don't know i don't know exactly what the remains of pottery would say about uh about today's society or
0: or reality, basically. Okay, so let's go back to what it is and how you do it because it's perhaps a fairly complicated process to explain. Um, It is. So you start with clay.
1: You start with clay, which is wet and um, uh, malleable, um, that you can uh, get into shape with a variety of different techniques. I used to throw it on a wheel, so um, if you have seen the film Ghost. There's a really lovely scene that I got used to hearing about on a very regular basis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways, so you, uh, you put the clay on a wheel and uh, you use the, uh, what is it, centrifuge force? Or, yeah, centrifuge force to, uh, or is it centripete I can't, I never remember. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, to get it into shape by pressing it and, and, uh, and getting it up and then um, mounting walls that are meant to be symmetrical, basically. Um, so at that point, your clay is still um, uh, can still change shape a lot and it's really um, mushy and, uh, and not hard, basically. So you have, um, you put it into shape and then you have a drying period that you have to control because if it dries too fast um, and the clay isn't evenly spread in the shape, um, it'll break while it's drying. Um, Also, there's a second uh, phase, there's a second part of the process where you have to kind of finish it off and scrape off all the extra bits of clay because when you actually put it into shape initially, because it isn't, because it's still soft, you have to keep that in mind in the way that you make it. So the bottom will be probably stronger than you would like it to be in its finished form. So you have to remove a lot of the clay that, uh, when it starts drying, once it's dried completely, you have to make sure that it is actually completely dried, and you can put it into a kiln, which is like a huge oven that you can um, heat up to... Mine used to heat up to, I think it was 1,200, or 1,300 degrees, basically. Wow, that's really hot.
0: Celsius. Yeah. Celsius. So that's, I mean, a standard oven for cooking in your kitchen goes up to about 250 a pizza oven goes up to about 450 500 mm-hmm. so you're even double uh, more than double a pizza oven yeah that's crazy hot
1: it's uh yeah it's amazing there are loads of things i mean i um i had the experience of uh, firing pieces um with wood so that's like you're loading wood into this huge huge oven um huge kiln uh for all night basically and um, there are little like uh, combs that you have of ceramic material that will that will fall at certain temperatures, so that you know where you are in your your rise of uh, temperature. Because each temperature has an impact then on uh, how how far the fusion goes, basically. And depending on what kind of clay you have, you might just take it out of the kiln and it'll just have been have become like a hardened uh, puddle of. Play if you heat it up too much, basically. So uh, yeah, they're amazing, they're, it's, it's a wealth of knowledge. It's just, it blows your mind. If I start talking about it, I could go on for probably a few hours.
0: Okay, we might have to leave it there, but thank you very much for taking us into this world of puttering. You're very welcome, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit englishin10minutes.com.